Do you eat at your desk in between Zoom meetings or snack in the car when shuttling the kids to school, sports, or music lessons? Same, Mama. Same. Farmer's Fridge delivers ready-to-eat salads and bowls that make weekday lunch as easy as opening the fridge. Choose your meals, choose your delivery date, and they take care of your lunches for $10 or less. My favorites are the truffle couscous bowl and North Napa salad. My kids enjoy cookie dough bites, which are made of oat flour, cashew butter, maple syrup, Madagascar vanilla, and cacao chips, and the apple cinnamon oats, which are overnight oats steeped in house-made almond milk, topped with baked cinnamon spiced apples, toasted pecan granola streusel, and a maple syrup drizzle. And get this, you can simply heat and eat as it comes in a heatable jar. Healthy options without slaving over a hot stove. Mom life is tough, so meals for you and the family shouldn't be. Visit delivery.farmersfridge.com and use my exclusive code MOMSENSE, all one word, to receive $10 off your order. Bon appetit. Being at the news desk first, when we saw the initial camera view of the eyeballs of the first miner that, you know, because they had sent the camera down into the little hole that they could get down and they saw, and, and then the notes being sent up, we're here, we're all alive, all 33. I went there for the initial week when they started to lay the groundwork of the plan, the coverage, like, how are we going to get to these guys? How do we drill down to them? I mean, 2,300 feet. I'm so often the person who sent when there was a bad news story. So (laughs) when there's finally something to celebrate, it was, it became a Disney movie. (laughs) It was that kind of story. A billion people around the world watch the coverage. It was one of those stories where the best of humanity shines through and you hope and dream for a, a story like that in your career. And if you have one, you're blessed and very lucky. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. All right, folks, I am so excited for today's episode. I have someone who is a mother, a TV personality, and a home chef on the show today. As a longtime news anchor, former host of Access Hollywood and co-host of Access Hollywood Live, current West Coast anchor of the Today Show, and correspondent of Dateline NBC and NBC Nightly News, Natalie Morales is a beloved household name. So it's only natural that she released a best-selling cookbook called At Home with Natalie, Simple Recipes for Healthy Living from My Kitchen to Yours. Natalie was born in Taiwan to a Brazilian mother, Penelope, and a Puerto Rican father, Lieutenant Colonel Mario Morales Jr. She speaks Spanish and Portuguese and spent the first 18 years of her life living in America and overseas in Panama, Brazil, and Spain as a U.S. Air Force brat. 
Her multicultural experience led her to pursuing a career in broadcast journalism, where she and the Today Show team won three Daytime Emmy Awards as Best Morning News Program. Natalie has contributed to major breaking news stories, including coverage of the royal wedding in 2011, presidential inaugurations, Hurricane Katrina, the death of Pope John Paul II, and the network's coverage of the Winter and Summer Olympics since 2004. She landed many exclusive celebrity interviews, including Angelina Jolie, Caitlyn Jenner on her life after transition, and Jennifer Lopez on her career and family. Hispanic Magazine named her one of the top Hispanics to watch in 2005 and one of the top trendsetters of 2003. Her childhood as a global citizen and traveling the world with her work fed her appreciation for good food, but it's her experience as a working mom that taught her how to cook on the run and keep her recipes nutritious too. Her book features 125 recipes that Natalie makes at home for her family, including chicken croquettes, pesto shrimp with lemon pepper fettuccine, and a three-minute peanut butter and banana protein shake. Natalie lives in Los Angeles, California with her husband, Joe Rhodes, and their two sons, Luke Hudson and Josh. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me on That's Total Mom Sense today. It's such a pleasure, and thank you for having me. Well, I want to start by telling you how you have actually been an inspiration to me, why I got into broadcast journalism myself. As a quick background, I um, earned my master's at University of Miami. I interned at NBC as well, but NBC6 WTVJ in Miramar. I'm sure you've been. Yes, I've been. Yes. <laughs> yeah, huge. I mean, Telemundo um, office there. And shortly after, I had mentors who said, you um, can work for a small market. And this was 2008. Or you can consider moving internationally. And so I just, on a whim, I moved to India, where, where I'm from. I was born there, though I was raised in the U.S. And I just thought, let me just see how things work out. So I got picked up by CNN, and I ended up hosting a show very similar to Access um, Hollywood, like what you had done. I, uh, it was called Eat Tonight. Again, very similarly, we had red carpet interviews and live shots and... Um, and I did some crisis reporting as well. The 2611 Mumbai terror attacks happened when I was there. So I interviewed wow. survivors for that. But um, there's one moment in time that I remember so well. This was in 2009, in January. And it was when President Obama was you know, elected and then inaugurated. Mm-hmm. And you had done such a stellar job of covering the inauguration And yeah, and I I rounded up my team, my news director, my colleagues, and I said, watch Natalie. This is how this is how it's done. (laughs) Wow, I can barely remember that. I mean, obviously, I remember it was such an incredible day. and It's just so emotional. We were all so caught up in the emotions of it that it was a blur. I don't even remember what I said, but our team, you know, we we had a phenomenal team. And that's, as you know, like the beauty of our jobs are, you know, I think to be able to witness history and experience it firsthand when you're doing a story that is so positive and uplifting, where you really felt hope and change was in the air. We, we all experienced that as a nation. I know you were overseas and I think feeling that little bit of home and that connection to home. I hope that, you know, translated as well. And here we go with another election. I know, I know we're embarking on another one, but I want to start from, you know, the beginning from, from your childhood, because that's really informed your career and, and your book that you've released. Tell us what it was like growing up and that too in a full house. 
Yeah. I mean, I am one of three girls. I'm the middle. No surprise there. <laughs> they say we're always the ones seeking the spotlight, middle children. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I was so fortunate that my father was a career military man, um, served from the Vietnam War, which is why I was born in Taiwan. He was serving in Vietnam and our family was stationed in Taiwan. He was able to bring wow. my mother there. And it, to this day, she says it was one of her favorite places to live, you know, the most amazing experience and people and cultural exchange that she was able to have. So growing up to a Brazilian mom living in Taiwan, and my mom's English is perfect, by the way, but she has a heavy accent. So I think big transition for her and a military wife, military family, and being able to just travel all over the world. We we're really fortunate that my dad had a lot of overseas assignments, Panama during you know the years of the canal zone, Brazil, where my mom's from, and being able to you know get to know my cousins and my grandparents and getting to spend all kinds of time with them and, and really and learning Portuguese, which was key to my upbringing was being able to really connect with my cultures. And then Spain allowed me to become fluent in Spanish so and learn more about my Spanish background and heritage by my, my dad's Puerto Rican, but by heritage, we're all from Spain or Portugal or Brazil. So. so tell us about how you landed your first job, because at the time, I'm sure there, you had to have a resume tape, maybe you had an agent. So how did you go about it and navigate it then? So my career is sort of a roundabout way because I actually, out of college, I went into banking and finance for two years, chemical bank at the time, which is now JP Morgan Chase. I did this management training program, even though I knew my passion was journalism is what I majored in and I had internships in journalism, but I also couldn't find a job that allowed me to live in New York City and would pay me anything in journalism. And it was all, you know, work for an internship. And my family was living down in Florida, in Miami. So I didn't want to go move back home and start out there. So I ended up in banking for two years, which was actually an incredible experience and a real world education about how the global economy works. Mm. I'm a big, you know, stock nut when it comes to like playing the stock market and trying to figure my finances out. So it taught me a lot about, you know, the importance of planning for your future and investing But it's a long way of saying after that two-year program was up, I also knew that I had to really follow my heart and my dreams. And it was always to be a journalist. So I kind of hit the pavement, went looking, and also sent my resume out. At that time, I didn't really have a great tape put together because it's just stuff that I had done in college. Back then you, you put a reel together. You literally put a reel together. Yeah. <laughs> on like it, a beta cassette. Yeah. On a beta yeah. or a VHS <laughs> tape. And it was, you know, it was very rough. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I ended up getting a marketing job at court TV, just from an ad in the New York times. And then while they're at court TV, I got some on-camera experience. They asked me to do a couple of things for like a teen show and put all that together on a on a better tape. It was getting better quality at that time. Mm-hmm. And then coincidentally, News 12, The Bronx was launching that year. It was like a year oh, and a half again. Yeah. For TV. And I sent my tape out. And I remember at the time speaking to the head of programming at Core TV. And he said, Natalie, you've got a future in this if you want to do this. He's like, I could totally see you. Like, you should be already in like market 30 somewhere. 
but you just got to go for it. You know, he's like, what what do you see yourself doing? He's like, I give you six months. If you don't find a job on air, then you're always going to be working behind the scenes and you're going to feel somewhat frustrated. You're going to be working in marketing and doing the things that you'll enjoy it, but it's not your passion. Right. I took that as my kick in the, in the booty, Uh (laughs) put my booty into gear. And yeah, then with that, I, I really launched my search and ended up at News 12 The Bronx, which was a great experience learning on the fly. We shot our own video, edited, produced. I was the first morning anchor there. So it was a real learning experience all around. You know, there was, we called it boot camp because it really was boot camp. Yeah. Before we launched and we learned how to do everything. And I have to say that was truly the most incredible education I could get as a newbie reporter launching in the number one market in New York. Yes. By way of the Bronx. What better experience? I mean, I figured if I could survive that and excel at that, which I did, then I could pretty much go anywhere. And then from there, I ended up two years later in Hartford, Connecticut, where I spent Mm -hmm. three amazing years really building my career as the morning anchor there. And then from there, MSNBC wanted me. And the rest is history, MSNBC to NBC, Today Show, and there you go. That is incredible. Yeah. You know, journalists kind of have to kind of reckon with is when disaster strikes, the individuals that are heading into the eye of the storm or into a war zone, they're the first responders and they're journalists. Has that ever scared you? You know, I, I have to honestly say, I mean, I've been lucky that I guess that I've, I haven't really covered war zones. I was asked to go to Afghanistan, but I never actually ended up going. I covered it stateside instead from, you know, MSNBC, but I've been there for disasters, natural disasters, Hurricane Sandy. Back then it was Superstorm Sandy when it hit our shores near us in Jersey. And uh, also in, uh, in, in the city, I was reporting live during all of that and then the aftermath of that. And so overall, I will say my experience has not been dark or scary, but you know, my colleagues who have been there following Haiti's earthquake, for example, or the Japanese earthquake and tsunamis and, and the tsunami in Southeast Asia, I think those are the, the experiences that are truly haunting and they stay mm-hmm. with you. Obviously, I covered 9-11 as a local reporter in Connecticut and talking to family members. And then also six months later, I was already recruited to MSNBC and, and interviewed some of the families of you know the victims as well. So I think that's the hardest part more than anything else is the loss of life and speaking to people who are still grieving or are learning of the loss of their loved ones. That is the most horrific part of our jobs. You covered Mumbai and the terror attack there, that those are scary moments for sure. But it's what follows is it's the horror that something like that could happen and that, you know, it did happen and that there was no stopping it. I want to highlight one of my favorite and memorable breaking news stories that you did, um, which was the Chilean mining accident in 2010. There were 33 men that were trapped at 2,300 feet underground and they were rescued after 69 days. So what was it like being on ground with the family members who were anxiously waiting? What's going to happen? This was such a good news story, you know, all the way around. Like I remember 
being at the news desk first when we saw the initial camera view of the eyeballs of the first miner that, you know, because they had sent the camera down into the little hole that they could get down and they saw and, and then the notes being sent up, we're here, we're all alive, all 33. And from that moment, I was like, I have got to get to Copiapo, Chile. I've got to cover it. You know, I'm the only Spanish speaker yep. in our group. I lived in South America. I've been to Chile. I'm like, I have to get there. I have to experience this. I have to cover it. That was day 70 something before, well, once we knew that they were going to be rescued. Right. The right. rescue plan was in the works. So I went there for the initial week when they started to lay the groundwork of the plan, the coverage, like, how are we going to get to these guys? How do we drill down to them? I mean, 2,300 feet, that was something that had never been done. Yeah. That's like, I think, two Empire State buildings on top of maybe more than that. So oh my gosh. Then I went back. I, I was there for a week, covered it, started to, you know, you get to know the families. That's the important part of our job is you sort of, if you know you're going to be there for quite a while, it's you got to lay the groundwork, figure out the logistics and start working with the people who are going to be involved in the recovery effort. But I, we knew it was going to be a long haul. And so I went back to New York. We continued to follow the story. And then a, two weeks before they were like, okay, they're starting to really put everything in place for the rescue. Let's go. And I was like, send me, send me. So I went back for the last two weeks and um, it was amazing, you know, to, to be able to be, I'm so often the person who sent when there was a bad news story. So <laughs> when there's finally something to celebrate, it was, it became a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. It was that kind of story. A billion people around the world watch the coverage and it was truly remarkable to see the best of humanity coming together. You know, the Americans, the South Africans, you know, the Australians, they were all there trying to figure out the right plan, whose plan is going to work. It turned out it was the American plan worked. And so there was, you know, the American company that happened to work on another mine collapse that I had covered as well in Pennsylvania a couple of years before. They had the drill bit, so they used that drill bit. So it was just an incredible experience and a full circle moment because I felt like I was there from the beginning, then came back at the end. But then also there was that whole like, oh, and I also covered the Pennsylvania mining right. act. So to know some of the players that were involved and to be able to interview them and see them come to the aid and to the rescue. But truly it was one of those stories where the best of humanity shines through and you hope and dream for a, a story like that in your career. And if you have one, you're blessed and very lucky. And now... For a quick break, brought to you by my brand sponsor, Homer. Hi, this is Kanika Chandragupta, founder and host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm Stephanie Dua, president and co-founder of Homer. And this is At Home with Homer. Homer is the essential early learning program for kids aged 2 to 8. We have the most comprehensive app available for early learning skills that you can find on iOS or Google Play. And you can also find our really fun explore kits that help kids with their math, their reading, and social emotional learning that you can find on our website, learnwithhomer.com. On this weekly segment, we're going to cover a range of topics from raising confident readers to developing emotional intelligence. These are the skills that will carry your child through school and life and resonate most when taught at home by you, their most important teacher. So grab a notepad, your phone, or your mental notebook to remember the tips shared during the segment. And now on to At Home with Homer. 
This segment is Summer of Play. Summer is here, but it feels different from any other summer. Typically, summer break is a time to travel, enjoy the sunshine, spend time with friends and family. However, this year, we aren't really clear on how to spend our summer and is it safe to even travel? Should we use this time to catch up on schoolwork? Should we take summer school classes? Or is it just time for play and a time to recharge? What do you think, Stephanie? All families are having these questions, mine included, you know, and I think that on the heels of the pandemic, everything does feel and look different. So your summer plans last two years ago are not going to be your summer plans this year. Here's what I like to think for families. There are really three things to think about. One is you have to understand context. Kids are coming out of a really structured environment with school and going into a very unstructured environment in the summer. So the advice I like to give to parents is three things. One is focus on getting into nature. It's really important, especially with kids who have been in their rooms, on Zooms, tethered to a computer. It's really important just to get out and play, even in the simplest ways possible. That can be a park, that could be your backyard, that could be riding a bike, you know, whatever that is, but just kind of getting outside, I think it's really important for the soul. The second thing is really encouraging um, independence and a bit of downtime. Again, kids have been sort of in this odd environment of being on a computer and being with people, but not with people. And so I think that this summer can be really a nice time for kids just to play and really develop that sort of muscle of playing independently, which kids don't always get an opportunity to do, but it's really important for their overall health. And then finally, a lot of studies have shown the importance of children having jobs around the house. And it's easy for parents to think, well, you know, they had so much to do during school and now the summer is time for to do nothing, right? Just to relax. But I actually think that's a mistake. And in fact, having small jobs, even that a two or a three or four-year-old can do during the summer, folding their clothes, setting the table, pouring the water at dinner, sweeping the floor after dinner, you know, something very, very simple provides both routine and structure, but it also develops those life skills that kids need um, really to develop from a very, very young age. So those are the three things I like to say. One, get into nature. Two, really don't forget about independent play and downtime. And then three, really making sure that kids have some structure, you know, some jobs that they can do over the summer. I like to frame it for children, you know, it depends on the age of the child, but you're part of a community, right? And so we all have to take our part in that community. Many people don't think about it this way, but play is really learning. Like our friend Fred Rogers once said, play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning. Play is really the work of childhood. We hope you enjoyed this week's At Home with Homer segment. To download the app, visit learnwithhomer.com backslash momsense, M-O-M-S-E-N-S-E to receive your very own 60-day free trial. Your kids are going to love playing the games, watching the visual stories, and more. Now, back to the interview. There are so many films and scripted shows that are based on what goes on in the newsroom. Anchorman, the newsroom, the morning show. And there's just so much of a frenzy and hustle bustle that, you know, we, we've we seen firsthand. The, the assignment desk, the news director, the camera operators. It's a lot. Um, it's an intense time, um, whether you're doing live or not. Can you actually describe what's it really like? Yeah, I mean, you're waking up at like 3.30 in the morning meeting with producers as you're getting hair and makeup, 
And it's all a tag team. Hair and makeup is at the same time as people are drilling you in your ear. They're talking to you and, oh, and you're going to interview this person. And this is breaking right now. And we may get this guest for you. And as you're going through sort of the, what is considered the glamorous part of the job, it's very unglamorous in the fact that you're like sitting there and you're just trying to remember and you're getting a lot of information thrown at you all at once. But that's the fun of it, I think, is it's that adrenaline rush that, you know, you're part of something that is much bigger than you and it's a whole team involved to then, you know, obviously doing all your research and the night before it's a lot of prep as well for the day ahead, but things can always end up just being thrown to the side because of a big breaking story happening. So that's happened to me on many, many, many occasions. You know, you just got to be ready to go. But the team itself is truly the best part of the job. Working with so many people who are as just as possessed as you are and as obsessed as you are. <laughs> yes, with All news, yeah. With news and our jobs <clears throat> and just loving the information and and that excitement in the moment. So, so true. So now let's talk family life. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you meet your husband, Joe? I met him my senior year in college. Didn't really hit it off. <laughs> It took a little bit of persistence to finally get me to go out with him again. Uh, Once I moved to the city and got my job in finance, we happened to work near each other. So I'd run into him. And so finally, it just, we we just decided, okay, let's go on a date. Let's try it out. And the rest is history. I guess two years later, we were engaged and got married. And so, yeah. And now tell us about motherhood. When you first became a mom. You know, of course, Joe and I have long planned for parenthood, and we didn't want those years where we were just going to be us as a couple and travel and do everything. So we had about five years, and then we're like, okay, now contracts are coming up. I got time this right. As you know, timing never works. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it took us a little while to get pregnant the first time around. It's a rush when you realize that you're going to be a parent. There is no sense of, you know, greater joy, I think planning and starting to think and dream and imagine what is this child going to look like and the future is so seems so bright and then becoming a mom the second time around took even longer we actually had some secondary infertility which i always tell people about like if you're having trouble after 6 months go to somebody yeah. talk to somebody because it's worth just making sure that there's nothing wrong right so we kind of went like two and a half years driving ourselves nuts okay, maybe our timing is off. Maybe it's just, it was, it turns out we didn't have any medical issues. We just needed a little boost. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I completely understand that unexplained infertility. So many of us face that. Yeah. And so often you think, well, I got pregnant the first time. It's going to happen again eventually. Right. But it, it, it will most likely, but sometimes you need help. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, very true. And, and I feel like moms who are listening shouldn't feel alone. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of reason, a lot of people who are talking about this now where I think there was a time, you know, I think a lot of us who've had a miscarriage, or if you had trouble, you mm-hmm. sort of hid that because it just, you didn't want that to be your story. And now I think the more people talk about it, and especially young women realize, I mean, I was in my mid 30s, and yeah. you think I still have all this time in the world. I mean, of course I can have a child, but you know, that's a time also where you can experience a lot of trouble. And yes. you do have to turn to people and, and find the experts. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you did it with such grace and what's unique to you is that you've, you know, had the television career throughout and I'm sure that's difficult, you know? So tell us about that and how it was kind of navigating motherhood and your career. I remember sitting there reading to my son, Josh, his bedtime story at like nine o'clock and getting a phone call. We need you to get to the airport right now because we've got a breaking story. The Minneapolis bridge just collapsed. We're going to have you cover it. And having to say to my son, I'm sorry, Josh, we're going to have to finish story time tomorrow or the next day when I'm back. I don't know when I'm going to be back. And having to kind of put the book aside and them looking at you with tears in their eyes saying, what, why? You know, I think every parent has that guilt at some point in their lives. We wouldn't be human if we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You recognize that the job of a parent is priority number one, but oftentimes the call of duty and what else you have to do has to take priority in the moment. I've been that person a lot. And it was hard. It was very, very hard. And I think that's actually what contributed to our secondary infertility was that stress and not being on a schedule and being all over the place with my body was all over the place and just being stressed all the time and the hours that I was keeping and my husband working different hours. So I think, you know, we just weren't synced up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that had a lot to do with it. And so finally, all of this has brought back to the forefront to me is the importance of understanding first how your body works, but then also knowing that sometimes you need to take a break and it's okay to take a break. Yes. Your family has to come first. And sometimes you just have to reprioritize. And obviously career is is important, but the things that you love most in life are what's around you and your family. So true. One thing that you kind of kept constant was cooking at home. It's hard because you're you're juggling so many other things during the day, but you did it. Tell us how it was like the food and being around the dinner table that, you know, that brought you all together. Yeah, um, I think I, I truly owe that to my mom because, you know, coming, growing up in a military family, I think the one constant was sitting together at the dinner table, talking about our day, you know, when my dad was off away traveling because he was often on assignment somewhere in the Air Force, you know, being able to have that connection with my sisters and my mom and just experiencing family life, that that's the most important, I think, connection that you can have and carry it forward. With my book, At Home with Natalie, it was a way for me to honor my heritage, both my cultures, my Brazilian and my Puerto Rican cultures and um, honor my grandparents who are, were both great cooks as well, but also to preserve some of the history and the heritage that was passed along from my mom and to be able to preserve these recipes that she would just write on little scratches of paper and just, <laughs> and she still has like the joy of cooking, you know, that book, like from the 1960s. Yes, yeah. And she's got it I mean, she'll just rip out things. And I do the same thing. Listen, I'm like, I see something in a magazine. I rip it out. I put it in a book. And then I forget, where's that recipe? I don't know. I saw something somewhere. (laughs) Or Pinterest. I have like a Pinterest feed. And I've got all these like, I'm going to make this chicken dinners and all of that. And then I always forget to check and see what it was that I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a way for me to put a collection together of memories, but also our traditions and our history in the form of our meals the sense of taste and smell. Those are the the senses that I think most 
bring things home to you. Yes. If you think about like, what is something that your mom makes, for example, Kanika, that you always like say, oh, like that takes me home in a second. Yes. So it's an Indian dish called halva. It's made from semolina and it's like a cream of wheat. It's something that my grandmother taught her, but it's, it's semolina, milk, um, some cardamom. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's um, such a healthy, hearty, yeah. it's like a cereal and it melts in your mouth. It's delicious. It, that, that makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> right. And even just smelling that, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. like smell cardamom and it make, probably makes you think of home. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that, you know, to me, it was really about that connection and wanting to give that to my kids. And, you know, I think now during the pandemic, I think that's the beauty of where we are right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. at least we are able to sit down as a family every night, whereas before it was always rushed because Josh would be getting back from sports late and, you know, it was always homework and all of that. It was very rushed. Now we've had this time to kind of sit down at the dinner table and to really enjoy each other's company. And, you know, listen, I don't make a home cooked meal every night. I don't want, (laughs) I do a lot of hacks and I, you know, there are a lot of things that you could use that are takeout, but make it your own. Yes. Yeah. Throw some extra like veggies and ingredients in. Absolutely. There's no reason to take something from the Trader Joe's hot food area and then just add stuff to it. And there you go. Yeah, I love that you say that. Tell us some of your favorite recipes for your kids and your husband to enjoy on the go. You know, there are a lot of great snack items. Um, Mm -hmm. There's hummus that my husband absolutely loves when I make it. It's so easy. I mean, it's literally a can of garbanzo beans, chickpeas, olive oil, a little garlic, some spices, and paprika, salt, pepper, you name it. Lots of olive oil, pine nuts, whatever you want to add. Mm, Yeah. Red pepper. It's amazing. I love that. My boys, there was a time where I was making anything that was like sort of like would give them instant energy. So I, I created this coconutty power balls like out mm-hmm. of dates and Ezekiel cereal. You can use any cereal for that matter, but it was like a way and some chocolate cocoa powder. It's a way to really kind of give them a nutritious snack, but also give them, you know, bite-sized boost and not feel guilty about like I'm giving them a lot of sugar because there's right. really the dates that are the sugar. Right, um, right. And smoothies are always great. I've got lots of smoothies in my my book at home with Natalie from my banana peanut butter smoothie to my everyday green smoothie. Those are things that I make for myself, you know, pretty regularly. Yes, I'm loving them too. I feel like that, you know, it's just a great boost in the morning. And, you know, when you kick off your day with something healthy, then you don't want to mess it up. Right, that's so true. And I think that's, <laughs> that's the key. You know, yeah. I break down and have some chocolate or whatever. I'm like, oh, I just messed up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. When you just when yeah. you started off right, you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm not going to cheat today. <laughs> um, not many people know this, but you are a triathlete, which is truly incredible. You in 2014, you ran the Boston Marathon and you raised um, over seventy thousand dollars for victims of the Boston bombing, and you've also been on American Ninja Warrior. At raising um, funds for for Red Nose Day and child poverty, how is that like something that's also constant in your life? Just working out and running. Well, that's my therapy. <laughs> Are you kidding yeah. me? That's my time to myself. I love that. I think that's so important. I mean, I think if there is some advice to moms and and to parents in general, it's you got to make some time for yourself. I mean, listen, I know that if I feel good, I'm a much better mom and. Mm-hmm. 
for me, it's more feeling good up here than anything else. Yes, you know, I want to work my body to like look good, right. but it really is, as I said, it's it is the therapy aspect of it. When I go for a run, I mean, I can just get my thoughts in, in order and just feel like I can take on the world. Like I can sort through all these problems and I like come back and I'm like, oh, it was that easy. And all it took <laughs> was like a three mile run. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, but, it's true. It's true. That was, that's your uninterrupted time. Yeah, it's my uninterrupted time. And it's just a walk with the dogs. Even my husband and I have been doing a lot of walks with the dogs you know, when the kids will come along with us, we have to force them half the time because, you know, they're tweens and teens. That's yeah. walk around here. <laughs> and every occasionally they'll, they'll oblige and come along with us to the beach or something. But it's that connection again, you know, being able to like connect with yourself, connect with your spouse, with your animals, just getting out there. So as you know, the show is called That's Total Mom Sense, and it's a fun pun and play on words. So could you tell us you know, about an anecdote or point in time where you trusted your mom sense? I think one particular incident when Josh was probably about, this is my oldest, nine months old, he was learning how to walk and run at the same time, because that's how he... He, he learned how to walk quickly and then run soon after. Oh, wow. And my husband decided he had like one of those, you know, those little post office, like Fisher Price post office carrier, like mm-hmm. little toys. So yeah. my husband was taking him down the sidewalk and they were running. Meanwhile, I was at the gym and all of a sudden at the gym, I'm on the treadmill and I was like, I don't know what it is, but I, I got to get home. Something just, I just felt like weird. I'm like, I, I just got to go home and check on check on them. Yeah. Sure enough, I walked through the door and my poor son had a giant egg on his head, oh big God. scratch down. His whole front of his nose was totally scraped off. And I'm telling you, it was like already brown, like with a scab on it. The poor thing. My husband, they were, Hoboken is notorious for its buckled sidewalks. Right, right. And they were running with this little post carrier cart and hit the sidewalk. Joe flipped on top of Josh, face planted. Poor Josh. It was like the worst, the worst thing. I mean, he was still shaking and sniveling when I got home. And it was like, and that's young, nine months old. Like he was like, he was a baby. I mean, he might have been like 10 months. Yeah, but yeah. He was already at that point walking and running. But it was where my gut said something doesn't feel right. And I know my my husband is responsible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I gotta get back and fix this. Oh my goodness. Wow. I never let him live that one down. Cause my yeah, scrape. you could see like a scar scrape on his nose. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? Inhale the future, exhale the past. Inhale the future, exhale the past. I'm not really good at meditation, but I, that's something I can I can get and I can use that because I feel like we're at this moment in time where we really need to be in our thoughts and in our head and need to work things out. And a lot of us, you know, you just want to get rid of the negative thoughts or the past thoughts and yeah. just start dreaming about the possibilities of the future. Yes. Yeah. And that's so you Be sure to remember. Yeah. I will. I will. Yeah. yeah. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. Is there any product or app, organization, really anything that you want to share with the listeners? 
the Calm app. Okay, <laughs> yes, that's that. good I'm wearing Birkenstocks, like the furry Birkenstocks, the, the fake fur, they're shearling, fake shearling. I have not gotten out of them since <laughs> started. I have like three different colors. I have black, I have this like bluish gray, and I have pink, like a rose gold pink. So that's comfy. Like, I, I put heels on now, like occasionally, and I'm like, what? Why yeah. do I do that? Yes. Yeah. You only have to dress up from the, you know, know. the I'm makeup. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not wearing pants right now. Just <laughs> I love it. (laughs) But yeah, that's a good one. My mom haul this week is a brand called Farmer's Fridge. And I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Megan Hurley, who is their CMO. So Farmer's Fridge delivers meals all around the country, most recently the East Coast, and they're healthy tubs. So there's bowls uh, that you can heat up. There's oatmeals and snacks and salads, and they're so delicious. Um, And they're also available at places where there aren't healthy options um, because they have a vending fridge uh, at hospitals and uh, at airports. So this has been a really great hack for me as a mom because I hate meal prep. And so I just grab and go um, with my farmer's fridge, ready-made salads and, and bowls, and, and my kids love them too. I actually do have a code. It's MOMSENSE, M-O-M-S-E-N-S-E, and you can use it for $10 off your first delivery order at farmersfridge.com. Okay, and where can my listeners find you? Um, you know, when I'm on the Today Show, Dateline, on Instagram, it's at N Morales NBC, not to be confused with the actress Natalie Morales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you came first. Hey, you look different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love her, by the way. I've met her and we've we've shared some good anecdotes of people confusing us and she gets my hate tweets and I get her love tweets. So <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> That's <funny>. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. You can always find my recipes online as well and at the Today Show. Yes, yes. And we are really going to promote this book at home with Natalie. Parents everywhere need this because we need to have um, healthy, nourishing meals for our families. And you've simplified it for us. You know, I'm still pinching myself that I've been able to have this conversation heart to heart with you uh, because you're someone that I really admire and look up to. And I really can't thank you enough for being on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And it, it's too bad uh, I'm not in Hoboken now. Otherwise, I'd say, let's go grab a cup of coffee from six feet away somewhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, thank you, Natalie. Take thank care. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some great takeaways from my conversation with the Natalie Morales. Natalie, you are an inspiration to me as a fellow journalist and mother, and it was a pleasure to interview you and share your story. You can catch Natalie on Dateline NBC and definitely check out her cookbook at home with Natalie, which is available on Amazon. I'm linking it in my show notes. I'd like to share a review from one of my guests. This is from Thara Kumaraswamy, 
who is the talent manager for her son, British singing sensation Arjun. And she says, Kanika's warmth and genuine interest move the interview forward so effortlessly that it is easy to lose sight of how much thoughtful preparation underpins her questions. Thank you so much, Sarah, for such a lovely testimonial. It was a joy to interview you and Arjun as well. Tune in to other episodes and blog posts on my website, thatstotalmomsense.com, and write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's Total Mom Sense.